1: The first healthcare workers in Oregon were vaccinated against COVID-19 on Wednesday, a historic moment in the pandemic that's killed more than 1,200 Oregonians in less than a year. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with You Oregonian. Up next, we'll hear from one of the first Oregonians to receive the vaccine. Jeremy Howard is a respiratory therapist at Legacy Good Samaritan Medical Center in northwest Portland, where he's worked since 2003. We talked about how he ended up on the short list to receive the vaccine, how it may change his life in the short and long term, and much more. Here's our conversation. Jeremy Howard, thanks so much for taking time to talk today. Uh, You're welcome. How did we get to the point where you were one of the first Oregonians to receive the the first doses of the Pfizer vaccine?
0: Well, for me... (laughs) Essentially, um, the hospital administrator asked our ma- my manager, um, do you have anybody who's working today that could take the vaccine, who's not working the next few days, should they become um, ill from the vaccine? And my manager then uh, gave a list of names. Mine was one of them. So I got invited to the party, essentially. <laughs> um, I didn't know it would be such a big to-do, but... You know, uh, yeah, but it's kind of exciting.
1: You know, for a lot of folks, I think this has been, you know, on their calendar. When is this going to happen? Um, but right. w- was it like that for you, or um, was this more of just kind of a another day with a, an odd experience?
0: Um, yeah, I knew it was coming, but then when it got here and I heard that it was going to arrive in Oregon on Sunday, as mm-hmm. I, I think that's the case, um, and just, you know, keeping an eye on the news. Um, I heard that to be the case and, um, I absolutely did not expect it to come for me so quickly.
1: Jeremy, I, I've, I think I surprised myself in the last week or so by getting emotional by seeing, you know, when you saw these first, uh, vaccines rolling out in the UK and then, um, you know, it was coming here to, to the States and then to Oregon. Um, Have you thought at all about what this means um, for your job and for our broader society to have have these vaccines? Uh,
0: I mean, I'm kind of forced into a position to think about it more today, uh, which is fantastic. Um, And two things. For me, I feel like I can see patients with COVID and care for them uh, with a little more sense of, You know the the idea that if there is an exposure, if I'm exposed, and there have been many exposures, many uh, staff exposures, um, if I'm exposed, I feel like after I get this, I think booster might be the the word, the second of the series. um, I feel like I will be more protected, so um, it might allow us to. Do the job, with with a reassurance that should we become exposed, there's less of a chance of contracting the illness, and also spreading it. Because if you right. don't get it, you won't spread it. So that really, that's a big deal, and that can affect how we work. Um, I suppose there's the potential for kind of a. <laughs> I don't want to say some, you know, it, it could it could lead to behavior not being as thorough in, you know, taking off our PPE and not not being as careful because hey, if I, I won't get it, I don't know how that's going to go. I think we're going to have to stay on top of that, maybe mentally as uh, healthcare professionals. That hey, I got it, but still, we need to take precautions.
1: In in terms of your your job, your uh, respiratory. Yeah therapist right at legacy good good sam over in uh in northwest portland what has this year been like for you i mean can you take us through i I guess most recently um as we've seen numbers spike i mean what's what's your what's your day-to-day been like in your job
0: well take every process you have and change it Mm -hmm. right now and then change it again tomorrow because when this thing first started out, um, we didn't know. Nobody knew. How mm-hmm. does it spread? And we've come to realize that one of the highest risks of spreading this disease is through insertion of an artificial airway, an endotracheal tube, and which is what we do when we put somebody on a ventilator. This is something we do every day. Um, in addition to that, we perform other procedures which we there's a a, an acronym that we didn't know what it meant until covid and that's agp okay aerosol generating procedure and everything almost everything that respiratory therapy does is an aerosol generating procedure that essentially has the potential to spread the virus these are things that we would do every day before covid with without a thought right uh typically Uh, we may not even wear a mask but now COVID is hit and now we're learning that all of these aerosol generating procedures that we're doing are potentially uh, spreading the virus and may expose us to the virus so we have to take every process we have um, in this field and apply layers of uh, protection for staff and alter the processes themselves change every process we have and scrutinize everything and then the next day some new data comes out and we have to change it again and and it's not only changing a process it's quickly educating staff right that this process is now different it's been really tough
1: and every on the day-to-day basis you're dressed how i guess um, what's your PPE situation and can you describe what you have to wear
0: so When we have COVID patients, if they are not receiving aerosol generating procedures, Mm -hmm. then we would typically put on um, an isolation gown and we will always wear a mask these days um, and some protective eyewear. So the mask Mm -hmm. and protective eyewear is everywhere with every patient all the time right now. But when there's a COVID patient, if they're relatively well and they are not on life support or a ventilator, which may produce aerosols, Yeah. then we'll just wear our masks, goggles, a gown, a disposable gown, and no problem. But then once they're receiving aerosol-generating procedures, or they're on a ventilator, um, then we have to wear extra respiratory uh, PPE. And that, for us, has been a PAPR helmet, um, which is a A helmet you wear with a a visor, and it provides it filters the gas, the airflow, and provides kind of a positive pressure of filtered airflow around your face for you to breathe, so that you aren't going to inhale these, uh, you know, the potentially COVID aerosols. Um, And and now we also have these respirator half masks, which, you know, same as what a auto body painter would wear, for instance. Okay. Um, and the process it becomes really cumbersome in taking care of these patients because there are specific processes we have to adhere to when we when we put on and take off, or as we call it, don and doff uh, this <laughs> PPE, which is a funny term. Um, and, and the risk is with doffing, right? Because when you're taking off this PPE, it's potentially contaminated because you were just with this patient. Mm-hmm. So you have to exit rooms in very specific ways. Um, take off the respirator, take off your gown and gloves, wash your hands, leave the room, wash your hands again. Once you've left the room, put on a pair of gloves, mm-hmm. uh, use a sanitary wipe to wipe down your respirator. Cause you're going to use it to go to the next patient. And it, it becomes really cumbersome. Um, but we do it. <laughs> it's part of the job.
1: Is it second nature at this point? Or is it still sometimes you you allow it to creep in your mind? You know, wow, like, this, this is my life.
0: We kind of separate uh, the days that we're working with uh, COVID ventilator patients versus the days we're not. Mm-hmm. And when we are, then we have, we know that we're going to have a day that's full of dawning and doffing PPE which is tedious. And, um, and we know we're going to be, and when you go into a room, you see, you can't just quickly leave. So you want to stay in there and do as much as you might possibly need to do. It really consumes yeah. a lot of time because when you're in there, you, you don't want to have to be coming and going a lot. Um, and then, and then there are days where we are seeing patients who are not COVID or not suspect for COVID and then that level of PPE is not required. And that's kind of taking a break from yeah. the intensive PPE requirements of COVID. So we get some breaks from it, but yeah, it's second nature when we're in that environment, pulling a shift in the COVID, COVID land, as we've come to call it. One of the problems there is if they do have an event, a critical event, we need to be able to get to that patient very quickly and and that's where the PPE becomes uh, challenging to to quickly don the PPE so we can run into that patient's room and help them um, and we've done so well, but it's yeah. it's a challenge
1: how How um, quick can you don your equipment?:
0: boy, you know um i i don't know i'd be guessing um but you know if you see somebody crashing in front of you and you have the stuff in front of you to put on right because typically we try to keep it at our side to throw on the mask throw on a gown and gloves and maybe you won't tie the gown behind your back this time you know you're gonna run in the room we can do that later right or or just wait until they get stable and then uh less than a minute for sure okay um yeah, I don't know for sure though.
1: Yeah. So beyond, you know, I guess maybe it, it, there are obvious extenuating factors that that make it significantly different, and for you and for the patient. But I mean, what what has this year been like for you when you look back on it? I mean, we're still in this, and it's even with the vaccine here, it's going to be a while until you right. and your colleagues are right. going back to any type of quote unquote normal.
0: Right. So, March every the whole world stopped. Everything was on lockdown every, you know, nobody was on the road except for healthcare workers driving to the hospital, right? I mean, yeah. that's not exactly the it's whole truth. It's not far from the truth. Yeah. Um yeah. we started preparing for the surge, right? Thinking this sur- we heard of these surges first of all Italy, right? They mm-hmm. they that was crazy over there. Seattle got hit hard. And so we started preparing for the surge, buying up um, supplies that we would need for the surge, ventilator circuits, uh, different disposable items we need to run high flow oxygen. Um, Mm -hmm. We started buying these. Of course, everybody in the country was buying them at the same time. Right. Um, So that was a challenge. (laughs) And I could see some room for improvement uh, as a society on that matter. Um, but, um, starting preparing, uh, changing our processes, fine tuning, um, our, our processes to keep us safe, evaluating PPE levels. I know the first month when COVID hit, I probably worked 50, 60 hours a week, just in preparing for our department to, to, for the surge. And then the surge never came. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and You know, I don't know. Is it because we flattened the curve by staying home? Uh, I would think that's a fair chance that 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 our uh, measures or the governor's measures uh, were helpful in that effect in flattening the curve. And so the surge never came. And we were kind of on a lull, you know, with covid patients trickling in on occasion uh, through the summer. Um, and no problem. We can handle that. Right. Um, and then things started ramping up again, uh, around, you know, a little before Thanksgiving and maybe a little after. And now we're, I think, more prepared. Um, we kind of know what to expect. We've, we've, you know, this, the lull in the action from March until maybe November when it really started picking up. Really did buy us an opportunity to fine tune our processes and buy equipment and supplies and prepare.
1: Let's take a break and come back and talk more with Jeremy Howard, a respiratory therapist at Legacy Good Samaritan Medical Center. We look nationally at uh, Oregon is is uh, I mean, we have more than. 1,200 deaths as of today and growing, but uh, it's one of the lowest in the country. And while things have gotten tight, they haven't gotten from your perspective as um, you haven't seen this overwhelming surge that we've seen in other states.
0: Um, Not as of yet, Um, but there's another factor that some people don't realize that when you think of a surge as a mass of people coming in within a short time frame. Mm -hmm. And I think we may have avoided that to a great extent. But when you get a very sick COVID patient to come into the hospital, they're here for a long time. Mm. They're here for two, three weeks, give or take. I I don't know for sure, but uh, they're here for a long time. And so when more people continue to trickle in, even if it's slowly, it can really stress the hospital capacity even though it's not a surge per se, Um, it it builds on itself. And so I think protecting the capacity of the healthcare system with these social distancing measures, uh, I I think it's, it's fair that that may have, uh, increased our ability to take care of patients more effectively, you know, because we aren't stressed out staff wise, PPE wise, uh, supplies and equipment. You know, yeah. we have enough right now.
1: Um can we talk about outside of work? I mean, what's your sure. um how has this affected you you and, you know, your family life outside of this?
0: Well, I have a 10-year-old son uh going to school online and that's a little bit challenging. Um <laughs> and a 14-year-old daughter who's going to school online as well. Um 26-year-old son who's um, you know, he's uh, kind of tough to find a job these days in these, <laughs> when uh, uh, yeah. the restaurant industry is uh, closed up shop for a bit. Uh, my wife works uh, as an office manager at a CPA uh, firm, so she's in the financial industry and yeah. is able to work. So my wife and I both work full time. I've worked extra because of COVID primarily, and... Um, so we're fortunate in that regard, and just our social activities are, you know, uh, we're in the same boat everyone else is there. You know, um, one day you can go to a restaurant, the next you can't. <laughs> um, yeah. But we've tried. We've been trying to, you know, be very mindful of exposure um, and minimizing our bubble, if that's a phrase you're people are familiar with.
1: Going back to the vaccine, again, this wasn't something you've given a a ton of thought to. Right, Um,
0: right. It kind of fell in my lap. Um, (laughs) I was asked, hey, (laughs) uh, yeah, hey, do you want to go to this thing tomorrow? They're giving out the vaccine. There might be a couple cameras there. All right. It turns out maybe it was a bigger deal than I had anticipated. And (laughs) And, you know, I, I work with COVID every day. I see it. I see, you know, w- whether it's patients or I, I see it in real life. And so I can see the perspective of those who don't, who don't see it through my eyes, you know. And they may be, to a certain extent, more anxious to get this vaccine out there, maybe so we can get back to life as we know it or knew it especially for people who are out of work, yeah. you know, they're sitting at home with their thoughts all day. Oh my God. Um, whereas at least I can distract myself with work. But if you don't have the ability to work in this environment, I mean, we want this vaccine out there. We want it out quickly and let's get life yeah. back on track. You know,
1: what do you think this day will mean to you, uh, in coming years?
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I I think this day getting the vaccine um, is uh, exciting. I'll be able to remind my kids, although they're old enough to get it, but uh, remind them that you know, Daddy was one of the first in Oregon to get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll I'll probably repeat that over and over again. You know, when I'm when I'm an old man, I'm not an old man yet. I'm mean, yes. getting there. But, <laughs> but also, I, I think just working in this industry um, through the COVID crisis will in the end be a badge of honor. Um, so that's kind of how I think about it.
1: What do you think that people in the, the, you know, Oregonians who are watching this on the news and hearing you, what else would you want to say to them about, uh, about the arrival of vaccines or about the state of your industry and your coworkers or just anything?
0: I think we're doing okay. We're hanging in there. Um, it's busy. Um, and we'll get through this. Um, it's uh, it's a challenge, but uh, we're rising above um, as far as our industry goes. And uh, 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 But as far as the vaccine itself, get the vaccine because the more people get it, the more we're going to have this group immunity. The more we have group immunity the sooner the restaurants can open back up and we can get back to life as we know it and how we want it back to normal. Um, I'm hopeful that maybe next summer, you know, we'll be doing our thing back to normal, but we'll see.
1: (laughs) And you're feeling okay, right? (laughs) Oh, I feel fantastic.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I feel no ill effects whatsoever. Yeah. I don't honestly, I have had the flu vaccine many times. And sometimes you have a little muscle muscle sore where you got it. I don't even feel that. Um, yeah, so.
1: (laughs) And and have they informed you when you'll get your second dose?
0: Yeah, I think the second dose will be in about 17 days, 17 to 21 days, something to that effect.
1: I'm curious. Do you think your perspective that, um, people in the community are probably looking forward to this more than, um, people in, in your industry, or at least yourself, do you think that's re- reflective of the broader sentiment in, in healthcare? I know you're, there's 300,000 people, or do you think you're an, an anomaly in that regard? Um, I don't wonder if you've thought about that at all.
0: Yeah, I I really am. I'm not 100% sure on that. I, I, you know, I think people in our industry, uh, now that I think about it, um, I think they'll be excited to get the vaccine. Um, I think it'll provide a layer of protection and if they feel protected, you see, then they might be, they might be more comfortable visiting their elderly parents, for instance, who they may have been avoiding over the past few months. Uh, myself included, I have a mother and a father who are, uh, you know, at high risk, uh, if they catch it, it could be a problem. Um, so, um, You know, I've been avoiding contact. And Hmm. I think that, um, you know, being able to go back to seeing our um, elderly parents, grandparents, what have you, I think that will improve when healthcare workers get the vaccine. Yeah. Um, So it'd be nice to get those things back to normal so we can have, you know, extended family visits without as much concern over spreading, uh, what we may have brought, brought home from work, you know? So that's, that's a factor. That's a factor.
1: And have you had any COVID scares? I mean, have you, um, I imagine you're testing pretty frequently.
0: Um, I have not had any COVID scares, um, and, um, have not had symptoms and thus I have not been tested. Which may be a surprise to some, but we have policies in place where we monitor for symptoms daily, um, check for fever, um, loss of taste, um, Mm -hmm. any malaise, uh, any signs of flu like symptoms, um, a cough that's unexpected, you know, things of that nature. We monitor that daily and we have to attest to that. We have to sign a A form every time we come to work. And if we are feeling ill, we stay home. And I know many staff members have felt ill, stayed home, got well and or got a COVID test. It was negative and we're back to work.
1: Thanks for what you do and thanks for taking time to talk about it.
0: You're welcome and thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to Beat Check with The Oregonian. We'll be back next week with a regular episode. If you like the show, leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. And subscribe to The Oregonian and Oregon Live to support our journalism directly. Visit OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.